0: Last Sunday, we talked about 10 reasons why prayers are not answered, and I won't reiterate any of those, but I did uh, remember one more that I wanted to add, and that was the prayer of being specific, being specific. Uh, It's a good thing Jesus said, Lazarus, before he said, come forth, because every tomb would have rolled over, and all kinds of dead people walked around, how's... You talk about zombies. Hello. Very specific. This past Thursday, uh, Ron went in for some tests, uh, had some struggles, some pains, every, everything that says you have a heart problem. You know, your face gets numb, your left arm gets numb, the pain, all of that. And uh, how many knows the devil is a liar? The devil is a liar. And so right before they took him, we were able to lay hands on him and pray. And we prayed three things. We prayed that God would anoint the doctors and the nurses and give them ability beyond their years. Second thing, we prayed that there would not be any stents and there would would be no blockage. About an hour, two hours later, came back with report, no blockage, no stents, and he's coming home. There's something about praying specific prayers. Praying prayers like, oh, God save the world. Is like Miss America saying, I want world peace. I mean, mean, we want God to save the world. I'm not being sarcastic there, but I'm just saying that sometimes lists are important so you can stay specific and you can stay focused. How many knows any time you say you're going to get alone with God and you get alone with God, how many knows that so many distractions, the phone will ring, the dog will bark, the husband will call, and it's like it's like the enemy knows if you get yourself sequestered with God long enough, things are going to change. I remember almost thirty some odd years ago when we were told that Courtney had a dysfunctional heart, and I remember that they took her. She weighed about six pounds, and she was eight weeks old. Make sure you get my facts right. And, uh, of course, we were told all kinds of negatives going in, that she'd be on medicine the rest of her life. She may not survive. Uh, she uh, would not be like the other kids. She, w- she would tire easy, all those negatives. And in that, in that room, there was another family. Their baby was a little older. I think he was a little boy, and I think he was six months old. And he had some of the same kind of challenges. Transposition of the great arteries is a major malfunction of the heart. In the heart, there are four valves, and those valves allow the red blood to go through the body and come back blue. The valve allows the blue blood to go through the body and come back red. Her valves were switched, and so it went out red, came back red, went out blue, came back blue. And she was what doctors call a blue baby. Uh, At six weeks of age, they literally took the heart out of her cavity, and they took a pair of scissors and they trimmed a piece of her heart, and from that piece they trimmed, they built a straw, a valve. And they plugged that, that valve in the top of her heart going out blue to the bottom of her heart coming out red. And so that's what the transposition is all about. There have been several times in her life when she was younger that when a doctor or a nurse found out that there was a transpositional baby in the, in the, in the hospital, they would come and they would want to listen to her heart. Courtney's heart does not do a double bump, 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 bump like your heart and my heart, but her heart is a triple beat, a triple ba, 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 and I thought that was so cool because ba, 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 ba is for the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and I remember that when we when we gave the baby to the to the nurse that took the nurse to the doctor, I told the nurse I said I'm not giving you this baby, I'm putting this baby in the hands of God, and when God is done, I want her back, didn't I? And so as the, as the morning progressed, we were there with the family. We were praying with them, finding out stuff about them and meeting with them. And I remember I went somewhere to do something, and it required an elevator. And Pastor Terry, when I got on the elevator and I shut the doors, it was almost like an abyss or a chasm. It was a, it was a very negative place and every demonic voice that probably was within a 30-mile range of that hospital was in that elevator. And as, as I was there, they began to taunt, literally taunt me. It was almost like you could cut the dark. I mean, it was one of the scariest, and telling, I, just, I get goosebumps. It was one of the scariest moments of my life, and I've had some pretty scary moments. And as I was almost overcome by fear, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the words, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I had memorized that entire chapter several years later. And so when I was done quoting that scripture, I pushed the button, got out of the elevator, looked back, and I said, take that devil. Take that devil. And the doctors told us that if the surgery was a success, that Courtney, instead of her texture being blue, it would be pink. When we were allowed to go back into the to where she was, this tragedy was, on the other side of the room was another bed, a little three-month-old baby that did not survive the surgery, died in the surgery. And the family asked me to go and say something to the mom and dad. Again, one of the hardest times of my life because my baby was alive and their baby was dead. It was a tough, it was a tough day for us. It was a tough month for us. But when we walked into the, uh, the, uh, in the intensive care where, where Courtney was, we paid no mind to the fact that she had tubes coming out of every orifice of her body. She had tubes out of her wrist, tubes out of her mouth, her nose. Every, we, we didn't see any of that. All we saw was a little pair of pink feet. A little pair of pink feet. And we knew that God had provided and God had. I, I reflected upon that yesterday. Friday, I headed to Louisville, Kentucky to a maximum security prison spent the night there, and then got up Saturday morning, went to prison for two hours, and then headed home. On the way there, somehow I'd managed to find classic rock all the way from Cleveland to Louisville. But something on the way back got all messed up, and I couldn't find any classic rock, but I did stumble upon the Bill Gaither Homecoming radio station. And, Gerald, I want you to know for an hour... I laughed, I cried, I laughed, I cried. Some of the music was popping, some of the music was... And one of the things I regret as a pastor and a father, I regret that my kids did not grow up on the red hymnal. All those powerful songs, all those powerful truths, and all those powerful meanings. You know, we're, we're almost at a place where you don't really hear solos anymore in church. That's just something that used to be there was a solo during the offering. We've kind of gotten away from that. And I kind of regret that the the generation is younger than mine did not get to experience some of those things that that we heard. And they were doing one song entitled Ain't No Grave, Gene, Gonna Hold My Body Down. And I got to thinking about Angel. And I got so excited. I'm blowing down the road. And all of a sudden I looked down. I'm going 95 (laughs) miles an hour. 95. I said, whoa, I better slow this boat down. So I slowed it down. But you know, as we... As we look at life and we look at facts, as I, as I look at facts, I realize that I am a connector. I am a person who connects. I've introduced husbands to their wives. I've introduced kids to their colleges. I've introduced uh, just p- people to jobs. That just, that's just what I am as a connector. And this morning, I just want to connect you to that, that name that is so precious. He's just as close as the mention Of his name, when you think about how close he is and how precious he is. Yesterday, one of one of the songs that I grew up with in the Church of God camp meeting, it said, "I feel the touch of hands so kind and tender. They're leading me in paths that I must trod. I'll have no fear, for Jesus walks beside me, for I'm sheltered, safe within the arms of God. So let the storms rage high, the dark clouds rise; they won't worry me." For I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. I'll have no fear, for Jesus walks beside me, and I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. Do I have a friend in the house this morning? I've had Pastor Ron, I said, Pastor Ron, they played this song, and I just really want to share it Sunday morning to go along with the fact that he is just as close as the mention of his name, and as Pastor Terry mentioned, some seasons, some storms, some tough times, all of us know what it's like to go through a tough time and a time to feel like that your prayers are void. You feel like God's a million miles away. Seem like things are coming at every single direction. And I'm reminded of a song that Lemuel Miller sang here almost 25 years ago. And here are the words. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, a constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches over me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the the sparrow, and I know he watches me. And Then one more nostalgic song they played yesterday on the radio that simply said, In the Presence of Jehovah. God Almighty, Prince of Peace, troubles vanish, hearts are mended in the presence of the king. And I welcome you this morning into the presence of the king. We believe that you will be changed by the power of the word of God. I had somebody tell me something yesterday, say, good luck. And I said, you know, I really don't believe in luck or chance or fate. I believe in grace and favor. And I believe that God has blessed us with all heavenly blessings and he wants us to have even more. The story of Jonah is a a pretty cool story when you look at the complete context of the story. And I have just a few points that I want to bring attention to that story about trying to find God, trying to connect with God, a divine connection. Here in this story, we find that a man is not trying to connect with God. A man is trying to disconnect with God. And Aaron, this morning, as I wrote down some notes, I just wrote down some different ways that man has tried to connect from God, to connect to God. I'm reminded of the story of the guy, Zacchaeus, that climbed the tree trying to find Jesus. I'm reminded of the guys that tore off the roof to get their loved one down to where Jesus was. I'm reminded of Peter who walked on the water. I'm reminded of Noah who built an ark. I'm reminded of Abraham who dug a well. I'm reminded of Daniel who slept with lions. I'm reminded of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that survived the furnace and walked around with the fourth man. I'm reminded of a David that killed a Goliath. I'm reminded of an Enoch that walked with God and walked so far, Robbie, that God took him. I'm reminded of, of a man that built an altar. I'm reminded that Abraham was called the friend of God. Moses was called the most meekest man alive. And David was called a man after God's own heart. I really believe that we can have those three qualities. I believe that we can be called a friend of God. I believe we can walk in meekness and humility, and I believe that we can have the heart of God. David was a man after God's (coughs) own heart. No matter how many mistakes and failures, the Bible says that God was favorable towards David. Everybody cleared their throat for me. Everybody coughed twice. And everybody wished they were about to be served a bottle of water as I, per- I prophesy that's going to happen in the next few minutes. I'm reminded of a guy that called down fire from heaven. I'm reminded of a guy that made an axe head float. Thank you. Did you open it for me? Thanks. I'm a prophet. I'm not a non-profit. I'm a prophet. Prophet for a Prophet. Next time, could you let it be like Dr. Pepper? (laughs) (laughs) Those of you listening by podcast, you missed some of the fun times that we have here. This story of Jonah. When I think of Jonah, I think of the most successful evangelist upon the planet. And I think of names like Billy Graham, I think of names like Earl Roberts. I think of names like Billy Burke, Perry Stone, men that changed entire elements where they were present. Men that had the anointing to see entire cities turned on for God. Jonah was that kind of an evangelist. He was a world changer. When he went to a city, the Bible says, entire cities repented. What an anointing. What favor. What what, what a resume. Their credentials are, are outstanding. The man that can bring revival to a city. God told Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. The Bible says that Jonah disobeyed and went in the opposite direction. You know the story, a storm hit the, the boat. And as the different people on the boat began to call out to their God, their God did not answer. It was a storm that looked like it was deadly. They woke up Jonah and say, Jonah, you need to call upon your God. There comes a day when the world runs out of their gods and they want to know about your God. That was pretty powerful. I think I'll, I think I'll Google that. I think I'll Instagram. I don't even Instagram, so I'll start a account of Instagram that. There is a, oh, where were we? Oh, yeah, a world ministry that changes the world. Jonah completely disobeyed the Lord in complete rebellion and went the opposite direction. There's a sermon that was preached several years ago by several great preachers. One was E.L. Terry, and the, and the sermon is entitled, God Will Set Your Fields on Fire. And Absinthe was trying to get the, the, the attention of the king through Joab and could not get Joab to respond, so Absom set Joab's fields on fire. And Joab immediately went to Ab and said, What have you done? Why did you do this? He said, because I I need you to get the king's attention, and you wouldn't respond, so I got your attention. Alden, I don't know that God uses bad things to turn us back to him. I know he turns all things for our good. But so many times in life, and I don't know where you are in your Christian walk, I don't know how you came to know the Lord, but I came to know the Lord at the very bottom, the bottom of the gutter, where the gutter been there and that was stagnant. Can anybody relate? That's where I came to God. I did not have the privilege of being like Pastor Rhonda and getting saved at the age of four. I think Courtney was filled with the Holy Spirit when she was five. I, didn't, I was around all that, but I didn't experience that. But God used the negatives in my life. Uh, Aaron, God used the <coughs> mistakes that I made in my life. Everybody clear the throat. Everybody cough. to get my attention. So Jonah, through this entire storm, is asleep. You ever felt like the things were going on in your life that affected somebody else and you wish they would get a grip so that things could change for you? Anybody? You know, we say, well, God's working on my wife. No, God's working on you. He's using your wife to work on you. <laughs> God's, God's working on my kids. No, God's not working on your kids. God's working on you, but he will use your kids to get your Attention, all of a sudden, they cast lots, whatever that means. We used to draw, did you ever draw straws where you had like four, five of you four long straws and one short? And whoever got the short straw? Well, apparently, that's what they did to Jonah. They cast lots, and he came up with the short straw. It's funny, there are people in your life that know more about the call of God on your life than you do. How many people you have in life right now that have such anointing, such an ability, such a talent, but they're floundering? They're not where they need to be. They're not doing what they need to do. And you know more about their destiny than they do. Well, all of a sudden, Jonah comes up with his short stick. And Jonah said, guys, this is all my fault. It's, it's I have disobeyed my God, and I'm, this is my God doing this. And you need to throw me into the ocean. And so they did not immediately throw him to the ocean. They lighted the ship. They tried, to, they, tried to, they tried to spare Jonah, but God was not in the sparing business that day. And Jonah was thrown in the ocean. Uh, Genesis 1 and 22 says that God created great whales, not just whales, but great whales. And the Bible says that God sent a whale to swallow Jonah. And Jonah, three days in the belly of those digestive juices in the belly of that putrid were, were rotten fish and all the, the decomposed, everything that takes place in digestion and indigestion, all of that, there Jonah lay. He said that the weeds were wrapped around his head. Last week I gave you a detailed description. I will not this morning. If you weren't here last week, the CD is available. I think it's eighty nine ninety five, and you get two copies, so make sure you get one for you. And one for the person that left you that was not here last Sunday. But, but Jonah finds himself in the belly of the well, And later he'll refer to it as the belly of hell. And, I, and you know what? You may have never experienced hell. You may have never visited hell. But there are times in our life when we feel like we are going through hell. Can anybody imagine? Can anybody identify? It's like everything I do goes wrong. Everything I touch, crash and burns. Everything, it just, this breaks down, and this breaks down. They say, bad comes in three. Mine's in seven. Do you have any sevens in the building? It's like, really? You've got to be kidding. You go up, you're late for work, and there's a flat tire. Hello. You're going to work all day on the weed eater. The weeder blows up. Can anybody just, just, you say, well, those are little piddly things. Yeah, but they sure can irritate the dog out of you and get you in a bad attitude and a bad mood and saying some bad stuff. Do you have a friend in the house this morning? Hello. It's funny, some of the things that we cuss that can't even hear us. Immobile object, we cuss the lawnmower, we cuss the weedier, we cuss the chainsaw. We cuss the fact we hadn't caught a fish all morning, and we're in a $45,000 bass bow, $300 rod and reel, and $10,000 with the lures, and we can't even, get by, can't even get a bite. I know none of you. We'll set a tree stand all day long and not even see a rabbit, much less a deer. Where's my friends? Can you relate? So it's, it's so easy to get rubbed the wrong way. But he had, a, he had a reason to be upset. He's in the belly of a whale laying there in all those juices, all that, and it's dark and it's scary. And in the second chapter, notice what Jonah does. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And he said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me all about. Thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I'm cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The water compassed me about, even to the soul. The depths closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. I went to the bottom of the mountains. The earth with her bars was above me forever. Yet hast thou brought my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainteth within me, I remember the Lord, and my prayer came unto thee, into thy holy temple. They that observe lying fantasies forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed salvation as of the Lord. And whatever takes place in these nine verses, it gets the attention of God. And verse says that, and God allowed the well to vomit Jonah out on dry ground, to vomit Jonah out on dry ground. And we were talking Wednesday night about don't be lukewarm, don't be hot, be hot, be cold, but don't be lukewarm. And the Bible says that if, you, if, you're, if you're lukewarm, I will vomit you or spit you out of my mouth. And obviously maybe Jonah was one of those lukewarm vessels. He ran from God, disobeyed God, and God allowed the, the, the whale to just burp him out on ground. Dry land. And you know what I shared last week when he was burped out of the ocean, looking at the way he looked, the Nineveh, the Nineveh fisherman just sat in there mind in his own business, when he saw Jonah coming out of the, the ocean, all, all messed up, Jonah said, "Repent, and he repented, And the whole nation repented. And they all got saved. I don't want to go to that extreme. God, don't allow something crazy to happen to me, the whole nation. Just use me the way I am. Here I am, Lord. I'm yours, all that I am, all that I have. You don't have to do anything weird to me or to my family or my marriage or my, or my physique. Use me just the way I am. I'm ready. I will not. Hello. Do I have, come on now. Use me just the way. Don't allow anything else to change. I, I got a mind made up. I want to be used by you. I wrote down just a few thoughts. Five thoughts. Thought number one Jonah came to a place where he realized he needed help. When you come to the place where you realize. You can't do it alone. You can't be what God wants you to be, and you can't do what God wants you to do. You need His help. There's a song Becky that we sang. Oh, I need You, like I never needed anything before. And then there's another song. I think it's a sweet hour of prayer. Says, Oh, I need Thee every hour. I need Thee. Jonah came to a place where he realized his manipulation, his abilities, his talents could not get him where he needed to be. He couldn't do it alone. I wrote down with that thought, God will never leave you where he found you. God will never leave you where he found you. And when we come to a place where we realize that, Lord, I'm not where I really want to be Whatever I want to do, draw closer. I suggested Wednesday night to begin the morning with just a cup of coffee or a cup of hot tea or whatever. Whatever you use to wake you up to go and get along with the Lord. Not necessarily pray, not necessarily quote scripture, but just listen. Just listen. Because he knows how to speak to our heart. He knows how to speak to our spirit. And it's crazy sometimes the way that he will speak. He will speak through a spider web. He will speak through the, 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 the uh, antics of a puppy. He will speak through something on television. And it's like, it's like it's not that you hear it, but you hear it and something goes ding, 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 ding. And it's like, whoa, pay attention to this. This has got to be supernatural. God has got to be speaking. And what is so crazy he will speak in ways that there's no possible way, Richard, that it was anybody else. It was not man. It was not, any, it was not fate, chance, luck. It was God divinely intervening in your life in something so it was so insignificant that it was significant. Gene, does that make sense? It was so insignificant that it was significant. And then you realize God doesn't just care about the big stuff, but God cares about the little stuff. I got to McDonald's yesterday and realized my wallet was not with me. That is a bad feeling to have when you're on the road. I go back to the motel, the the owner's from India. I like to have never told him what I needed. I just needed a key back into my room, but he couldn't understand why I needed a key if I'd already checked out. Well, I don't speak Swahili or whatever, so eventually, I think in Pig Latin or, or Spanish, I think we finally communicated. Lost um wallet, so um, go back to rumo to get wallet. Well, wallet, you know, wallet, wallet. Oh, wallet! Yeah, show me the box. Show me the light. Give me the key. Went back to my room. It wasn't in the room. That's a real bad feeling. It wasn't in the room. It wasn't where I parked the car. Then I'm thinking, Pastor Trav dropped it. Some kind of wallet. It Only had like seventy dollars in it, but. It had all my credit card, my driver's license. I couldn't get into prison without my license. And I'm thinking, now, Lord, I don't have enough gas to get back to Cleveland. So I'm i to th- start solving my own problem. Where are you? Okay, now, who should I call? I think I can make it to Knoxville. I think I can make it to exit 348. There's a loves truck stop there. Now, who am I going to call that wouldn't mind coming and get me? Well, not Pastor Rhonda, because she has a Suburban, and it won't make it to Knoxville and back, probably. Well, not Chris. He's in Illinois or Ethiopia, wherever he goes every week and hides. And I said, Pastor Todd, he's a newlywed, and Missy's not going to let him out of her sight. And I got to realizing I really didn't have anybody I could call to come get me. And I'm thinking, wow, this is not really a good place to be. I can't get home. I had a few. I had uh I'm allowed to take $20 in the prison to buy snacks to the machine. And so I had like $15 or $20 in a plastic bag that I was taking in the prison with me. And so I'm thinking, well, if I don't eat, maybe I'll have enough. And Donnie, I didn't think about you. You'd have come and got me, wouldn't you? All the way to wherever it was. And I said, Lord, it's it's really important. See, to many people, when you create the world and you feed every sparrow and you're in charge of everything, Sometimes you feel like that God is so important, so busy that that you don't want to bother him with your little stuff. But God cares about the little stuff. And I said, "Lord, I really need to find that wallet." And way back to I drove Pastor Ron's car. I was not not uh, didn't know what ha- my wallet fell way down and had I not got down. This is funny. This is this, had I not got down on my knees. I would have never found it. There are things in your life you're never going to find until you get down on your knees. And you would have thought when I found the wallet, you'd have thought I just raised the dead. (laughs) Hallelujah. Right there in the parking lot of Louisville. Thank you. I mean, it was like it may not be that important. You might think it's silly. I couldn't get home. I couldn't get to prison. I'm stranded. Hello. And I found my wallet. There is a God. Sometimes the smallest things God does to prove to us there really is a God, and He really does care. In verse six, yet hast Thou brought up my life from, corrupt, from corruption, O Lord? I'd like to call this a prophetic prayer. I've taught you what prophetic praise is—that we praise God for things that haven't yet happened. And we visualize it as if you have an unsaved loved one or you know someone that's sick. You see them healed. You see them in church worshiping. That's called prophetic praise. But prophetic prayer is acknowledging that God has done something before he has done it. And the reason we can pray that prophetic prayer because we know the God that we have served. We know Him. We know His heart. We know He wants to do what we're asking Him to do. And so, therefore, we can thank Him for something He hasn't done, knowing it's His will for Him to do it. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, Paul's last journey, Acts 28. The Bible says, The sun had not shined for many days, and all hope that we would be saved was lost. What a what a place to be a storm from hell, a storm that was going to kill everybody on the ship. It was it was it was devastating. They didn't have the ability to float in the ocean for days. They didn't have have that ability. And they were at a place where all hope. Have you ever been to a place where you lost all hope? There's always been a flicker or a glimmer. No matter how bad things are, you realize if you look up, you can find God. There's, There's a place that you can go. But Paul said they'd lost all hope. But there stood by me this night the angel of the Lord, whose I am, whose I serve, and who I believe. And listen, when you know you belong to him and you know that you're serving him to the best of your ability, then you can believe the promises he gave you will come to pass. So the first observation is we need help. The second observation is that we can prophetically pray for things that haven't yet happened, believing that they're going, to, they're, they're going to happen. Verse 6 also, there's a revelation there that he begins to, as I said, where Paul said, the angel of the Lord, whose I am, whose I serve. Jonah makes this statement, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Revelation. He has horrifically disobeyed the Lord. He has found himself in a season of rebellion. He has turned his back on God. But in all of that, when he came back to to where God was, he knew that God still loved him, still accepted him, and still had a place for him. There's no place you can go. There's no bed you can make. There's no den you can hide in. There's no place that you can find yourself that you are disassociated from God. There's no wrong that you can commit. There's no law that you can break. There's no drugs or alcohol you can put in your body that's going to separate you from the love of God. He is faithful. He's consistent. And at, watch this, at our worst, he is at his best. He said, I saw you in your vomit. I saw you in your afterbirth. I saw you naked. I saw you ashamed. I came to where you were. See, sometimes God gets right down in the gutter with us and gets that gutter stuff on him so he can get the gutter stuff off of us. Do I have a friend in the house this morning that will help me preach this sermon? My Lord and my God. And just now, Pastor Terry, the Lord reminded me on the cross... When Jesus felt abandoned by God, when he felt like God had turned his back on him, and theologically, I don't know that's possible, but we preachers preach that, that God turned his back on Jesus because he couldn't stand to see his son die. I don't know about all that. It preaches good. We'll probably make a good song, but it's probably not theore- the- the- theology. Cor- the- theological. Cor- theologically. Say that fast three times. Theologically. Correct. God never turned his back on his son. But on that cross, Jesus said, my Lord and my God. The same thing that Jonah cried out, Jesus cries out at the darkest part, the darkest day, the darkest moment of his life. It doesn't matter, again, how dark it is, how bad it is. Whosoever, help me, that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Regardless if we feel like we're worthy or not, we're faithful or not, we're good enough. We may not be a Cornelius that's built an altar to the Lord. We may not, we not be like Elijah that soaked the offering with water, but God loves us just the way we are, and he will come right to where you're at when you call upon his name. What a powerful truth. The, for, the fourth thing that I want to bring, verse 7. When my soul fainteth within me, I remembered the Lord. It is so easy this morning to forget the things that God has already done for us. It is easy to be selfish and childish and don't acknowledge the things He's already done. The fact that you weren't born in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, is a fact that God, not that God doesn't love those born in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, but you weren't. And that's something to be thankful for. The fact there's not a single wheelchair or cane or seeing-eye dog in this building is something that you can be thankful for. The fact that every one of you ate a bagel or a steak biscuit or drank a cup of coffee, You got food in the icebox. You didn't walk this morning. There's a car in the driveway and a car in the parking lot. And you got one more at home is the fact that you should be thanking the Lord. When I think of his goodness and what he's done for me. Jonah had forgotten all of that. He'd forgotten the anointing. Pastor Terry, he'd forgotten watching entire cities weep and repent and accept God. What a what a miracle that every single person in the village what do you get to say? Jonah had forgotten all of that. And it's so easy this morning to forget the many blessings of the Lord. But I like that song that says, If you could see where Jesus brought me from to where I am today, then you would know the reason why I love him so. You can take this world, its wealth and riches. I don't need escape. It's my desire to serve the Lord because he took me out of the miry clay, set me on a rock, gave me a song, named me, called me his own, and then gave me a book full of promises and said, I double-dog dare you to try to work some of these things out with my help. I'll oh, go ahead. Verse 9, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. Paul said, in everything give thanks. This is the will of God concerning you. It's hard sometimes to thank him for the negative things in our life. But somehow it was that negative thing that turned our life around and brought us back to Him. Polite children, and I'm not just saying this because that she is my granddaughter, but I have never met a two and a half year old so polite. She says, Thank you. She says, You're welcome. Last night she asked Courtney if she was okay. What else did she say? Thank you. You're welcome. Please. Military, baby. (laughs) Crack that whip. Not afraid to say thank you. Your life has affected somebody and somewhere in the nation, there's a song someone singing that says thank you for giving to the lord i was a life that was changed aren't you glad god sent somebody aren't you glad that god used something aren't you glad that god turned something around that you found yourself back at a place that i can thank him for what he's done and 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 praise him for what he's done and expect even more for him to do for me he was so good to me yesterday." but he wants to be even better to me today. How scary is that? And then, lastly, verse 9. I will pay my vows that I have vowed. I will pay my vows that I have vowed. Touched on this last week. I have four minutes. Let me touch on it in a little bit, a little, little depth. there are many times in my life recently that I have negotiated with God. There are seasons in my life where I will tell God, if you do this, then I'll do that. And unfortunately, Many times I forget and I don't follow up on what I told God I would do. I remember one time God told me to go through my closet and give away everything that I had not worn in a year. And there was a little preacher that was my size, and I gave him bunch of sports jackets, a bunch of suits. I used to have over a hundred sports jackets. I preached revival eight years different. You had to have a different jacket every night. Tie, look nice. The next day, look at somebody say the next day. Dean Hudson, who was the general manager for Phil Driscoll Ministries had gained a bunch of weight. He never said it was the Lord Well, when I was preaching, he realized that I was about his size 10 years ago. So he contacted me. Look at someone say the next day, the next day. And he brought me seven or eight designer. Like I would never spend $300 on a suit. That's just something I wouldn't do. I mean, I might spend $300 on a guaranteed fishing lure, but I wouldn't spend $300 on a suit. He gave me seven. I mean, I'm I'm practical. I'm frugal. Hello. I only pay. Never mind. I don't want to tell Pastor Rod everything while I'm confessing up here. So let me tell you what I did. God didn't tell me, but Aaron, I went back to my closet, and I took out everything I hadn't worn in six months just to see what, just to see how God moved and just to see how God operated. But it is easy in life. To negotiate with God. Donnie, the word said, I think it's, I think David said it, or Proverbs said it. It's better never to make a vow than to make a vow and break it. The power of marriage, the power of covenant, the power of business. Better never make a vow than to make a vow and break it. And so I don't know what promise Jonah made to God. Maybe he told God five years earlier, Alden, God, if you'll bless me, if you'll anoint me, if you'll use me, I'll give half of everything I own to the poor. Maybe he said, God, if you use me and anoint me, I'll fast a meal every day. Maybe he said, God, if you allow souls to get saved and my ministry to be effective, I'll do this or I'll do that. We don't know what the vow was, but whatever the vow was, He had not kept his end of the bargain. So he says, God, the vow I made, I will be faithful. I will follow up. I will walk it through, and I will accomplish it. Two things I'm going to bring to your attention. Immediately. Look at someone and say immediately. God told the fish. Don't tell me God doesn't speak to animals. God told the fish to vomit Jonah out. I believe that God. I won't, I won't forget that. We won't, talk, we won't. Not only does God talk to animals, but animals talk back. It was a donkey that told the prophet, "I see the angel of the Lord." Sometimes dogs are more anointed than we are. That's why we have dogs in our service to get full of the Holy Ghost and power, so they can bring hope and encouragement and blessing. And the other thing they always, they always bring. <laughs> two things if you made a promise and you know you made a promise and you gave God and you begin to negotiate with God follow up on that promise if it's possible make it happen follow through go through it start your heart Search your spirit secondly if you've never made a vow, it might be time to make one now. Song says, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. Help me. Bless me. How's it go? It's a great song. All to Jesus. I... That's, a, that's a vow that we can make to God. I'm yours, Lord. Everything I've got, everything I'm not, I give everything to you. Lord, if you will give me the if you'll give me the health, I'll praise you seven times a day. Lord, I'll pray twice a day. Lord, I'll put money in the offering. Lord, I'll do this. Lord, I'll do that. Lord, I will I will make myself available as every head is bowed, as every is closed. Can you negotiate with God and make a difference? Absolutely. Abraham went to God. God told Abraham he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Thousands upon thousands of people living in those five cities. Abraham began to negotiate with God. God, if you find 50, which is not an nth of a percent of the total. God said, I'll spare it if I find 50. Abraham negotiated God all the way down to 10. Ironically, if you do the math, Lot and his wife had four daughters. The two daughters had husbands. That's eight. Eight people. The number of new beginnings. If if Job's family would have been righteous, would God have spared the city for eight? Absolutely. Even though he told Abraham 10, absolutely. God would have spared the city had there been eight. Can eight people change the world? I'm reminded of Noah and his wife, the three sons, the daughters, eight people. Eight people changed the world. One family. Can I make a difference? Absolutely. Can I change circumstances? Absolutely. Can I bring good to where there's bad? Can I bring light to where there's dark? Can I bring favor where there's curse? Absolutely. Father, today, like Joan, we acknowledge our shortcomings and faults and mistakes, our failures and our sins. You knew all that when you called us. You knew all that when you ordained us. You knew all that when you anointed us. You knew there would be mistakes. You knew there would be failures. You knew there would be discrepancies. You still called us and decided to use us in our weakness. For in our weakness is when we are more dependent upon your strength. And in your weakness, we are found strong. In our weakness, we are found strong because of your involvement. God, I don't know that I have the courage to pray that you would let me change the city or change the nation. But God, I pray that you would let me change everyone that I come in contact with. That I be so full of you, so full of your joy, so full of your faith, so full of your favor, walking in thanksgiving, prophetic praise, prophetic prayer, doing all the right things, that you would see my effort and you would bless my effort and you would use me my family. You would use me at my job. You would use me at my church. You'd, you'd use me with my friends. That my life would significantly make a difference to someone else. We ask these things in your name because you are good, you're faithful. In Jesus' name, you all said, amen. Did you enjoy the word today? I believe that's kind of weak. That's a little better. We certainly.